The Dugout CEO Podcast is on the air. I'm Phil Van Horn, baseball lifer and fan of the Dugout CEO. Each week, Casey Cavell goes around the horn with baseball superstars, Hall of Fame coaches, and business leaders who've used baseball experience to win the game of life. Now batting, Casey Cavell. Dugout Nation, welcome to the Dugout CEO Podcast. Today, I am joined by Mike Lynch, who is the senior pastor at North Star Church, host of the Lynch with the Leader Podcast, and serves as the varsity pitching coach for Altoona High School. He is a five-tool leader, and we are so lucky to have him on today's show. Mike, welcome to the Dugout CEO Podcast. Casey, it is an honor to be on here with you, buddy. So excited. Yeah, likewise. And uh, gosh, it seems like everybody I know knows you, and a lot of the people that know you know me. And we connected a couple years ago, and I'm like, I got to get you on. You're just a leader amongst leaders, and super excited to share your story and get into it. Well, thank you. You know, it's funny, and I think you and I talked about it the very first time we met. The baseball world is so small. And once you're in it, once you get your toes in it and your foot in it, you'll always be in it to some degree, and it's a really, really tiny world. Yeah. Well, let's start there. Baseball background. Tell me about it. Yeah. So grew up, uh, like most kids, playing Little League ball. That translated into high school baseball. And I was in the pre-travel years. I was in the American Legion years of baseball. That was the old travel ball. Uh, did American Legion, played at my high school, and ended up going to pitch at Liberty University on a scholarship for uh, legendary coach Bobby Richardson, a former New York Yankee great, and went up and pitched at Liberty, uh, 88, 89, and 90. So I didn't pitch my senior year. I was a bullpen coach my senior year, but man, just loved the whole journey of playing baseball. Never dreamed it would come to an end. And then by the time you got there to that level, you're like, yeah, this is about as far as the the train's going to take me in the world of baseball as far as playing days go. So growing up as a kid, who was your favorite team? Who'd you follow? Oh, man, followed the Atlanta Braves, and they were horrible, horrible back then. But I loved them. My favorite player was Tom Seaver. Loved Tom Seaver, and he wrote the old classic Art of Pitching by Tom Seaver that I remember was a that was a manifesto on pitching that I learned from. But, uh, man, love the Braves, love Tom Seaver, and just love watching, just always have enjoyed watching the game. Yeah. And then transitioning out of playing to what was next, tell me about that journey. Yeah, so transitioned out of play. We had a coaching change at Liberty. Uh, the new coach wanted to bring in some of his own guys, and I found out that I wasn't one of those guys and ended up giving up my uniform, staying on scholarship, but being a bullpen coach. And really wrestled, Casey, with, is that the career path I want to go? I loved it. I loved the game. In fact, learned pretty quickly, I liked coaching as much as I liked, if not more, playing, And but made the decision. I went the full-time vocational ministry route, moved here to Atlanta, uh, became a youth pastor for five and a half years, in 97 helped plant a church. And then in 03, became the senior pastor of that church. So I've been in that that particular church, North Star, for the past 26 years, never dreaming that baseball, the baseball world would intertwine with what I do now. So talk to me about that. Yeah. So coach, like many of us, we do the journey. You get out of the game. I ran baseball clinics and camps for a couple of years. 
Uh, but you get far enough away from it. I'm really not relevant anymore in my town that I grew up in. And so became a dad, coached my son growing up. He gets to high school, let the high school guys deal with him and coach him. And I would still coach a little summer showcase team. But when he graduated from high school, uh, the coaches at the high school said, would you come do our pitchers for us? You got a great background in it. Your son's graduated now. So in 2013, began to work at Alatoona High School, northwest of Atlanta, uh, working with their pitchers and have been doing that since 2013. So almost 10 years. This year was 10 years serving there at a local high school as a community pitching coach. That's awesome. Yeah. And as the senior pastor at North Star Church, I I study pastors a lot because they get stuff done through volunteers. And a lot of people on this, they're a business owner or they're a coach, and they're trying to get other people to kind of get stuff done, right? And it's so hard. But you're able to build a church and operate a church with a lot of volunteers. You're not even paying people, right? No, and they're doing right. things. And it's amazing the way that I see, wait a minute. These people aren't even getting paid, but they show up early and they stay late and they work hard. How are you able to to, to do that using volunteers? That's a great question. I, so I would say two things in that. Teamwork is teamwork, right? I mean, whether it's in the dugout, whether it's in our offices, uh, whether it's in a boardroom, when people buy into a vision, everybody is collectively willing to do what it takes to accomplish that vision. So at North Star, I'm blessed. I have 40, 40, almost 45 great teammates that work full-time for us, but we serve a couple thousand people, so it takes volunteers. So I'm dependent on my team to help me accomplish that. But I think at the end of the day, Casey, it's the vision. And I think it's if if we're all working towards something it gives us all something to work for. And so I think that is the key, whether it's volunteers or the team that we pay, they've all got to get the vision and that vision and the purpose and the why behind that vision has got to rest down in our souls that makes us want to go do it. Now, are you communicating that vision or, okay, great, there's a vision, but vision sometimes is a vision. Is, is it yeah. written down or is it communicated? Like, how do you get everybody on the same page rowing in the same direction? Yeah, that's a man, phenomenal question. Well, I think that week by week, it is our job. So for us, the Sunday morning gathering is the, the most opportune time to sell that vision. So every Sunday, we re-engage our mission, which is to help people find their way home. And we do that by loving God, loving people, living sin. And every week we give tangible pictures of how that's happening. So we recast while we're there every week. Do you see, you know, you work with a lot of business owners too and leaders and coaches. Do you see that happening in the business world or coaches and their programs? Are you seeing that vision being casted as often as you do? I, I, in the great ones, I think in the great businesses and the great companies, I think you could go to Chick-fil-A in Atlanta, Georgia, and the headquarters of Chick-fil-A, and I could go to Chick-fil-A in Sacramento, California, or Chick-fil-A in in Upper State, New York, and they're all the same. Why? Because they have figured out how to let their people know we're not selling chicken. We're selling an experience. 
and their operators have gotten it. The operators have passed it down to the high school kid who's serving at the drive-thru who always says my pleasure and always checks on you to make sure you have what you need. Well, they they figured it out. And John Gordon is famous for talking about culture, right? I think it is, I think great companies and great organizations and great teams build a culture where it's just constantly reinforced. So culture, it feels like it's a buzzword, but it's really important. And everybody I talk to, they're mentioning culture or values or vision or mission. You know, a lot of people that are listening to this, they're they're just trying to figure out a way to make it, mm. make profit, grow their business, put out fires. Like, how do you balance that rub of, hey, I got to run a profitable business. I got to sell more. I got to execute more versus I need a healthy culture and we need a great vision. It's kind of like, I don't know, it's like warm and fuzzies, but is it real? You see what I'm saying? I, I, I do see what you're saying. I was listening to a podcast the other week and a gentleman said, you can have excellence without kindness. But when you have kindness, it leads to excellence. So I would say if profits and budgets are my first thing, culture is going to be hard to, to create because it is going to be a consumer culture. It is a transactional. So every relationship is transactional. I need you to help me get to the bottom line. If that's how people feel, they're probably not going to buy into the mission of the organization. But if the mission of the organization is the relationship and our relationship leads you to work harder for the ultimate bottom line, then we've got something. So Todd Gongor in his book, Lead for God's Sake, Todd talks about leading with love and coaching with love. So it's written for coaches. It is a must read for every leader because he talks about, do we lead for the ultimate bottom line or do we lead for the value of the person's heart that we're leading? And when we lead for the heart and the person behind that desk, behind that widget, whatever they're doing, knows that we love them, then people begin to work harder for the bottom line. Great book. We're going to put that in the show notes. I remember reading a few years ago, uh, brought the tears kind of, I don't know, near the end when it all kind of came to fruition. What does that tangibly look like? What do you see great leaders tangibly? How do they care about other people? I think they intentionally know them. I think they intentionally care about them. If they're a Christian business leader, they intentionally pray for them. So Gary Gilmore, the head baseball coach at Coastal Carolina, Gilly was just on my podcast, and he talked about when they won the College World Series in 2017, he, during that year, had read Lead for God's Sake. And he said, I remember going to every player, looking them in the eye and going, I love you. Regardless of whether we win or lose this game, I love you. And he said for him, it began, he would go and pray for every locker every morning. Pray for that young man. Pray for their family. Pray for their future. And he said it made it easier when you get caught up in the scoreboard, which everybody does. Baseball teams have scoreboard Corporations have school boards. When I get caught up in the school board, I remember the value of the person helping me achieve that school board 
So I think the tangible piece, Casey, is person by person, story by story. And it sounds hard till you start doing it. And when you start doing it, you start seeing the value of it. Yes, we all have to make ends meet. Yes, we as a church, we have a budget to meet. I got to meet that budget. It's a fact. I got to pay the bills and pay the employees. That's going to happen. But if all they feel like is a means to an end, I'm probably not going to get their best. But when they know, I know their name, their kid's name. I think the way we, we, we would say it, Casey, is they feel seen. They feel like they are known. I think that is the first step to getting where we want to be. So I built multiple businesses and multiple businesses the wrong way, doing the exact opposite of what you just said. Um, somebody mentioned this the other day. I, they said, I used to see figures, not faces. Mm, mm, great way to say it, man. Great way to say it. And looking back at it, Mike, it was because I was hurting. I, when you said, I love you. Hey, I want to tell other people I love you. I don't think I loved myself back then. Like, That's right. Looking deep down, I was hurting. Yeah. So this is great. Hey, I love you, but do you see that people sometimes don't love themselves or aren't free and that sometimes hurts their leadership abilities? Well, it even, it even goes into scripture, Casey, when Jesus said, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So if you don't have a healthy view of who you are, it will hurt. And listen, that hurt, some of the most wounded people are the people in charge. They have just driven through it and 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 gotten to this point thinking that when they reach this position, it would satisfy them and they find out they're not satisfied. And you're right, they replicate that lack of self on others. They're like, well, nobody else needs it. I don't need it. Nobody else needs it. And everybody's hurting them. And the, the old phrase, hurt people, hurt people. And then that's why we have the calamities we have in locker rooms, the calamities we have in businesses and in churches that are le led by these incredibly driven, skilled people but people are a means to the end and they just leave a trail of bodies laying around them. Well, they don't even feel like a success because they're not happy either. So how do you deal with that? How do you as a leader ensure that you don't leave the trail of bodies? I think, I think number one, we got people around us that we can ask, how are we doing? And we honestly will listen to them. The hard part for or guys, let's talk to guys specifically, we like to reach a level where nobody asks us hard questions anymore. Well, the bad part is when you reach the level nobody asks you hard questions anymore, you're probably not in a very good place. So somebody's got to be able to speak into your life. There's got to be some accountability that we can see. Second part of that will be self-awareness, that I'm self-aware enough to go, what am I doing? Why am I leading like this? Why am I so, why do I not care? Um, and, and I think to do that, Case, you have to slow down. I think you have to be able to get on the other side of it and 
look back at who you are and go, is this, is how I'm living today, how I want to be remembered? You know, there's the famous story of the, um, oh, uh, the Nobel Peace Prize. You know, Alfred Nobel was, was, he created, was one of the creators of dynamite and explosions. And it's, it's a funny, it's a crazy story. He woke up one day and read an obituary where they thought he had died. And it wrote what he had been known for. And he went, that's not how I want to be remembered. And spent the rest of his life fixing what he had done the first half of his life. And now they call it the Nobel Peace Prize. So I, I think I think for all of us, you know, Stephen Covey would say, start with it, start with writing your obituary, write your eulogy, and then work backwards from your eulogy on how you want to be remembered. And the reality is. All somebody's going to do all of our eulogies one day and either they're going to be intentional and in what we wanted it to be remembered by, or it will be unintentional. So good. And I think you mentioned slowing down. It feels like everybody's just going so fast. That's right. And I was talking to Shay Hildenbrand, former big league all-star yep. and Pedro Martinez gave him a piece of advice when he made it to the big league. He says, you got to learn how to slow yourself down. Mm. Because everything's going fast on the field, off the field, all of that kind of stuff. And you had Andy Stanley on your podcast recently. Yep. And he, I listened to a sermon, gosh, this was probably 10 years ago, right when I was kind of figuring stuff out or trying to figure it out. And he said, what's it like to be on the other side of me? That's a great, that is a phenomenal question. And Mike, it was scary because I was like, oh gosh, I wouldn't even want to be on the other side of me. Yeah. And then a couple years probably later, I worked with somebody that was kind of like me. And I was like, okay, this isn't fun anymore. All right. They see me as a means to an end, but that's what I'm doing with somebody else. But that's when I got that person that you said a lot of leaders don't have that asks a lot of tough questions about myself. Nope. I slowed myself down and I dig into it. But why is it so tough? You know, you mentioned wounded people and hurting people, hurt people and why are we so busy like trying to get to that next level where we don't slow down and we don't deal with what's happened to us and wounds that have been brought onto us and things that we've done to others? Why don't we do that? Because every person deep down thinks that there's some destination that will appease them and it will be the, okay, when I get there, I will, when I make, I will. When I drive this, I and, and that destination and stuff just doesn't work. And you can have all the rings and you can have all the accolades, but the hole in your heart is really what we're trying to fill. And there's nothing on this earth that will fill the hole in your heart. I remember an interview Bear Grylls did with Deion Sanders on a, a overnight excursion where he took Dion out and they're sitting by a fire and Bear Grylls is just breaking him down. And Dion talked about how he wanted to drive off a bridge after winning another Super Bowl because he was so unhappy because you got to the top of the mountain and went, I think I climbed the wrong mountain. 
I think I'm up the wrong hill and I wasted all that time. That's why everybody tries it though, because we think that that is going to be the thing and nothing's going to be the thing. It really is the journey that is the fun, not the destination. So how do we, how do we learn how to enjoy that journey more? Cause it is hard when you're in it and it seems like Hey, I want to go back to the glory days. I want to go back, but it seems like every five years, I'm like the glory days were five years previously. So right now, if you're a business owner, a leader, and it's tough, five years from now, you might want to go back to this time, or depending on what's happening, you might not want to go back to this time, right? That's real too. But how do you like enjoy it and embrace it? Um, because things are hard. They're not always perfect. Like, what does that look like? They're, they are not, and there are seasons we're begging to get out of. Um, but you know, Paul said it was really interesting. He said, I've learned the art of being content in whatever the season. So what was that art? And it, then he goes on to say, whether I had plenty or I had little, well, how did he do that? Well, when we reach the point of going, I have everything I need today to be happy because you're a driven guy. You don't start businesses and do what you do if you're not driven i think being driven is a god-given thing god put inside you i think it's a great thing as long as it's for the right reasons right and so i think contentment says i'm as happy today as i'm ever going to be but i have some things left to achieve if i get to achieve them that'll be great but i won't be any happier then than i am now i think that's the secret i can choose today to be as happy as I want to be in spite of my circumstances, knowing that if I achieve all these things, I'm not going to be any happier. I'll have just achieved all those things, but I'm as happy today as I'm ever going to be. I'm content where I am, but it's okay to have aspirations. And it's that it's, it's attention, right? So we just did a sermon series at our church called tensions. Tensions are not problems to be solved. Some things in life are not problems to be solved. Their tensions to be managed and will live in the tension of striving and being content. Because if you don't strive, I think you settle. But if you strive, then you cannot be content. Yes. So the tension is striving and contentment. How do I learn to live in the land of in between? That that and that's that's an art. And it's not something that we figure out by reading a book. We have to hit our head on the wall a little bit and learn. And we have to, and just honestly, Casey, we got to go sit in some funerals and go, wow, I have a lot to be thankful for. I have a lot that I've been given. And and I think always in, involved in this is serving other people. When you serve other people, you're reminded of how much you've been blessed with. So how do you do that? Because it seems so life-giving and this sounds great, but it's so tough with the constant barrage of negativity in the world. And I should be here, but I'm actually here. And I wish I would have done this and I would be so much better off. Like, how do you, I don't know, renew your mind or think more positive rather than negative? Because it does think, you know, it seems like every time I look at anything, it's more negative or it's making me feel I'm not good enough, or I should be far more better off than I am today. What does that look like? All right, you're you're a baseball guy. Ground balls hit 
between first and second. First baseman goes to field it. What does the pitcher know to do? Go to first. Go to first. How did he learn to go to first? He practices it a thousand times in spring training. I believe we do the same with our bodies and our minds. It is a day-by-day built-in habit to go back to the Lord. That, for me, is what I, when I've been around and I've worked from high school locker rooms to walking in the NFL locker room a day before the NFC Championship game. I've worked with, with guys on the sales lot at a car dealership to sitting in skyscrapers in downtown Atlanta with some of America's richest CEOs. It really doesn't matter what level they're at. The people that have learned what matters figured out it is a day-by-day reset. It is a day-by-day. Because I could have this conversation with you, and this afternoon could be unsettled. I mean, it's just the way that the game works. So I have got to constantly reset. In sailing, they call it dead reckoning. So I'm going point A to point B in sailing. Well, the winds don't let me go straight. The winds are going to shift me right on the journey, but I constantly dead reckon back to where I'm going. So if I know my destination and I know what's important about my destination, then I am going to daily reset to make sure I go to that destination. Here's who I want to be. Here's who I want to be known for. Now, every day I'm going to walk that direction. And when I get off, I'm going to reset. For me, because of my faith, it gives me something to reset to. I believe my life has a bigger purpose that's going to outlast this earth. That's my reset. So I have to go back to this world was never meant to satisfy me from my kids to my marriage, to my job, to my hobbies, to listen, we've, we've two years lost in a state championship game. Makes you sick. Game three, one out away in game two in 2018. And we didn't make the pitch. Guy drips one down the line. We go to game three and lose. Well, if I had won it and I had two more state championship rings in my drawer, would I be any happier today? No. I hate it for the kids, but I wouldn't be any happier. My happiness comes from something on the other side. So I think we've got to have a picture of who we want to be and what we want to be and daily reset to get that direction. What's your guess? Just throw me a random percentage. What percent of people do you think actually know that, have it written down, and then have shared it with somebody that can actually ask them the tough questions of, hey, are you actually doing it? Mm. What's your ballpark think? Zig Ziglar, the old motivational speaker, and Earl Nightingale, who was the old motivational guy from years gone by, Zig would say over 90% of people couldn't answer that question. They're just getting up and living out life. They don't have a destination. They don't think, not they don't have a fate. So let's take faith out of it. They don't really know who they are. They don't know why they're getting up on Monday morning. I mean, I would easily say it's no different now, if not probably a little bit more. So if we went conservative, we'd say 75% of people who get out of bed on Monday morning have no idea why they're getting out of bed. They're getting a paycheck. They're paying their bills. They're trying to be happy, but they don't know, as Simon Sinek said, they don't know their why, you know? 
two greatest days in a person's life, the day they're born, the day they learn why they're born. Well, I don't want to live in that 75%. I want to live in the 25% or as Zig said, in the top 10% of the people that go, I know why I'm here and I know what I want to accomplish and I know what I want said about me in my eulogy one day and I want to live for what I want said about me. I, I, that's how I want to live. Now, does it mean everybody does? No, but the people I've met that are the most grounded, centered people, that's what they all have in common. They just knew who they wanted to be. And they just went, they went for it. It's so good. If you're listening to this, you probably can't see the picture, you know, out back, but we actually have a family why, and it states it out. Like, why are we here? What's important? And we have values. Now I just created these a few years ago, but I tell you this, if I would have had these in my twenties, early thirties, I probably would have made some different decisions because your values and your why for me and for Connie and I, it allows us to make decisions of, you know, when times are good and times are bad, how we're going to handle things. So I think that's, that's really good. And you've given us so much chin music here. Like it's making me step back and I got to listen to this again, Mike, of like, hang on. Am I actually doing a lot of these things that you're saying? Because I think I am at times, but maybe not as consistently as I need to be, especially around like planning each day and renewing your mind and all of that. What else do you have? You know, everybody listening to this is a leader. You have your own podcast, which is all about leadership. Yep. Like you got a big takeaway for Dugout Nation where you're like, hey, look, you got to know this. If you're a leader, if you're leading your family, if you're leading a team, if you're leading a business, really, this is something you really got to make sure you do. You know, it's funny, Casey, and I, I think this is something I've learned as I, so I'm 54. This is something I've learned in life that I probably couldn't have told you in my 20s. But I believe, and I would have told you this in my 20s, I believe we're all created for something bigger than us. I believe we're all created for something that will outlive us. Um, and I believe that our ultimate why, all of us, we're all going to do it a little bit differently and it's going to flesh out a little bit differently, but it will always have to do with others. It will always have to do with other people. Your story wasn't for you. Your story is for somebody else. You don't even think about work done, though, running back for the Atlanta Falcons. You know, work done came from a single mom who worked her tail off. And what do we remember work done for? Well, I remember he gained a lot of yards in a Falcon uniform, but I remember him most for all the homes he gave away to single moms because his life wasn't about him. Now, there's been other running backs for the Falcons that probably gained more yards and scored more touchdowns, but I can't remember who they are. I remember work done for what he did for somebody else, not what he did for work done. And I think for all of our lives, we outlive ourselves when we invest ourselves into another's life. So really, it doesn't matter what we do for a living. Others are always attached to our journey. If you today will make the decision to invest in that other, I think you're going to be headed the right direction. So good. And you're doing this. Tell me about the group you have on Mondays for baseball coaches. I know I've seen that happen. You got your own podcast that you have. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So uh, this all really falls in the air. The year of 2017, we uh, I began a podcast called Lynch with a Leader. And it is on, it's L-I-N-C-H, Lynch with a Leader. It's on spiritual leadership. 
So our tagline is we interview America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. We've had from Ken Blanchard to Dansby Swanson to Molly Fletcher, who's a huge figure, Shannon Bream to John Gordon. I mean, we've had we've had about everybody on there and there. But there's these common themes that come out of it and their common themes are they know who they are and they know why they're here. They all do very different. Dansby's a phenomenal shortstop wearing a wrong uniform. I hate to see him in a Cubbies uniform, but but he knows why he's playing shortstop for the Braves and the Cubs. He's got a bigger why. And then out of that, I had a group of pro baseball scouts and college baseball coaches go, hey, we we don't get to go to church. We want to go to church, but it's so busy. We're sitting in bleachers. We're on buses where you know college coaches are on buses. Pro scouts are in hotel rooms. We can't get involved in our church. Could we do a Bible study together? Well, these guys are from all over the country. So there was this new technology in 2017 called Zoom and that I just started using for my podcast. And I'm like, well, let's try Zoom. So we did it. So we grew from four to eight. And I think Monday we had 75 college baseball coaches, pro baseball scouts from Sacramento to upstate New York to the Dominican Jumping on at 9 a.m., looking at the Bible. Why do they do that? Because it recenters all of our lives on what matters. So when that guy walks in that third base box, he remembers, yeah, the scoreboard doesn't look like I want it to, but I'm here for a bigger reason. And so, and then out of that grew a thing called Lunch with a Leader, where I teach biblical leadership out of a character's life to we'll have 150 to 175 corporate leaders that gather at our church once a month over lunch on a Monday to talk about spiritual leadership. So it's a hot button right now, and everybody's trying to figure out their why. So yeah, we're riding it. That's great, Mike. Well, how does somebody get a hold of you? Probably the easiest way, two easiest ways is I'm on Twitter, uh, at Mike Lynch on L-I-N-C-H on Twitter and Instagram, MikeLynch.com or NorthStarChurch.org. Probably the easiest ways to find me. Fantastic, Mike. Well, it has been an amazing time. I know our listeners are going to be really thankful for your time that you spent today. And thank you again for being a guest on the Dugout CEO. Thank you, buddy. It was a blast. Wow. Blown away by our time with Mike Lynch. Some hard-hitting stuff, some heavy stuff that we talked about today. And my encouragement is to take action. Even if it's just one thing that you learned today or hit you hard, talk to somebody about it and take action. Here are my big three takeaways that I learned from Mike Lynch. Number one, what is it like to be on the other side of me? It's a scary question, but people in leadership at any level have to ask it of themselves. You must have others who can be open and honest with you. Oftentimes, people reach a certain level of leadership where people stop asking tough questions or challenging them. People are often scared to challenge leaders, but leaders, you must have people that are willing to go there and provide good feedback to you on their leadership abilities or skill sets and give them an idea of what it's like to be on the other side of themselves. Number two, we are all wounded. We have hurts, things that were done to us by others or us to others. And the world, it's a tough place. We are wounded people, often become top leaders in key positions. But if leaders don't deal with their wounds and they just drive through it, once they reach that destination and they think that hurt will disappear and it doesn't, then we have a problem. Once you hit that goal, attain that title, 
and realize that it's not going to satisfy what you really want, you have a collapse that could happen. You see it all the time. Professional athletes, Hollywood icons are running and chasing. And once they catch it and get it and it doesn't fix the thing that they really wanted, they break. Don't break. Talk to someone about your challenges and your issues. People want to help. Number three, tell people you love them. Look them in the eye. Let them know that you care. You never know what somebody else is going through. And a little bit of encouragement goes a long way. Not only tell them that you love them, but show them by your actions and your deeds. In order to do that, you must walk through your own hurts because once you accept yourself, accept others, and learn how to love yourself, you can truly begin to love others. Thank you for joining us once more for another episode of The Dugout CEO. We want to get you the tips you need to become an MVP of what you do. Sign up for our Friday Focus newsletter and you'll receive a valuable tip each Friday morning to help you build the business and life you want. You can sign up by going to caseycavell.com or click the link in the show notes. And make sure to hit the subscribe button so you get notification on our next episode. And one way you can help us book more great guests like this is to please leave us a rating and honest review in the Apple or Spotify podcasting app.